Welcome to Beyond My Comic Shop. I am your host, Anthony Desiato. Beyond My Comic Shop is a subseries of My Comic Shop History, featuring stories in and around the comic book world. This subseries was previously known as Flat Squirrel Tales, but following a crisis of infinite podcasts, all of my shows now live under the My Comic Shop History podcast feed. This installment originally aired as an episode of Flat Squirrel Tales last season. It features Alan Boss, owner of It's Vintage in Mendham, New Jersey. I first visited his store for the Season 2 Christmas special of My Comic Shop History in 2016. In that episode, Alan and I bonded over our shared love of the Kenner Superpowers line of action figures and talked about Alan's meticulously curated store, which features a superb selection of vintage action figures and other collectibles. This time around, I went back for a deep dive into the fascinating world of toy customization. For about an hour, Alan guided me through the art and business of customizing action figures. My Comic Shop History, Beyond My Comic Shop, and My Comic Shop Book Club will all return with new episodes later in 2018. For now, enjoy this presentation of The Art of the Custom. Now, just as a preliminary matter, just defining our terms and everything. So now when we talk about a custom toy, we're talking about taking an existing figure and modifying it through either interchanging parts, painting, and or and there are other techniques to either turn it into an alternate version of that character or a different character altogether. There's, yeah, there's customs and there's mods. Um, the customs are more really manipulating the figure, repainting, um, and and I'm I'm getting into that more than I used to do it. And there's some people out there who definitely um inspire me to to try to be better i mean there's some amazing customizers out there yeah that's something i want to get into in just a little bit sort of this uh community of of customizers which i'm sure is out there just as there is for almost anything else Mm -hmm. but you know for you personally i know you've you know you've been collecting for a while you have the store obviously when did you first get the idea of i want to start getting into customs it wasn't long after I started collecting. I'm, I'm an artist. I've always done something with painting, um, creating. So it seemed like the right thing to do. If I was collecting a, a toy line and they didn't create the figure that I wanted, I, I would do it myself and it seemed like the right thing to do. I knew that I could do it well enough where it at least made me happy. Um, I was using wrestling figures at the time because they were like uh, blank canvases and I would create whatever I wanted. But as time goes on and you see what else is out there, it drives you to want to do more, want to get better. And especially when you see the, the talent that some of the customizers have, I mean, you when you're as passionate about it as they are, as I am, you want to put out the best thing that you can. And um, that they definitely push me to be better for sure. Fantastic. Yeah. It, you know, I was thinking about this in advance of today, you know, as a kid, you know, we, we talked about this before we started recording. I was mm-hmm. never a huge action figure collector. I mean, mm-hmm. I collected statues primarily, and now I collect those Funko Pop figures. Right. Never really collected the action figures so much, but I always had a ton and I played with them. And as a kid, there were always characters or, or versions of characters that I wish were out there and right. they weren't. So, you know, for you to be able to bring those figures to life, right. is, you know, is, is so cool to me. How many years now are we talking since you started oh. customizing? Oh, I probably did my first custom in 2002, okay. I would say. Yeah, about 2002. But there was a there was a period from 2002 to 2010 where I was really just creating for myself. I, I when you're doing it for yourself, you do it and you get to the finished product sometimes a bit of a different way. When you're putting it out for sale and you're 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 putting it out to the public, it's got to be it's got to be the right way. You know, uh, the, everything's got to line up. The joints have to work. The, the limbs have to move, or at least you hope that the limbs move. So you get to a point where you, you become more serious about it. And you go back to seeing some of the other people that are out there. And in, even today, I, I, I know that there's still so much more that I have to learn. And a lot of times I get there just by trial and error. 
And as far as your your technique and and again specifically how you got started, were you? I mean, again, I know you had the art, you know, the background in mm-hmm. art, but were as far as customizing the figures, were you self taught? Did you learn from anybody? Books, videos, or was it no, all like no. trial and error, like it, you said? It just made sense, you know. Um, it, I think the the biggest thing um, you learn what materials to use, what paints to use what you can do on certain figures, um, what you could do on certain material figures. A big mistake I made was using oil paints on a figure once, and I, t- 15 years later, I think it's still tacky. So you learn you learn by, you know, trial and error for sure. But um, it, I look at things and it makes sense, so I, I do it, you know. I know we got into this last time, but I wanted to kind of circle back to it again now because, again, I know you are a collector. And so it's fascinating to me that, you know, take the Superpowers line, uh, for example. Mm -hmm. I know you have the entire line and you have multiple copies and multiple versions of, of, of all of them. Right. And I know you've done customs of those figures as well. And when you're doing a custom... You're more or less, dis- I mean, destroying might not be the right word, but you, I mean, you, you definitely are compromising the original figure. Absolutely. So how do you reconcile that as the collector and the customizer? Well, uh, A, I don't do it unless the figure is pretty beat. You know, it's got to be pretty worn. Most times the action is gone. A lot of times they're even missing a limb or the head when I get them. So uh, I won't rip open any new figures to customize anything. And they have to be pretty far gone for me to start putting paint and sculpting and and manipulating them in any way. I wouldn't do it unless they were pre-beat. Okay. Yeah. And I suppose it's for a greater good as well, right? You're it, able to bring something else. It is, but it's a it's a valid question. I mean, you know, I um, I hear it from people sometimes where they'll say, you know. How could you do that to that? And I'll say, you know, so what I what I do now is I take a lot of pre-photos so that people could see just how far gone it was. Okay. You know, I yeah, always have good. to do it to defend myself. And then sort of kind of on that same note, uh, as a collector, this is something more, you know, my, my collector OCD. That's where this question comes mm-hmm. from. But, you know, if you're a completist, as many collectors are, you want every comic book in a run or you want every figure in a line. Sure. How do you view the customs in this? Like, so again, going back to superpowers, uh, I have not decided to try to get them all, but let's say I did, right? Mm-hmm. And they did, what, 36 figures, roughly, um, in the original line? In the original line, there was 33 figures, and then you had some variant. Uh, the Riddler, so that's okay. 34, and Clark Kent, so roughly. Gotcha. So let's say I get those 30 odd figures and I'm like, okay, I'm done. And mm-hmm. then I come to your store or I'm on your website and I see some of these superpowers customs that you've done. I mm-hmm. see, I, for example, there's a bizarro one that's so right, cool right. Uh, in your display case right there. Mm-hmm. So now as the collector, do I have the full line or, or do I not? Because there's this other thing out there. It's like, w- do you have to draw the line and view the customs as just their own category? I think it, yeah, the the customs are definitely their own category. You have the figures that were put out, and if you're a completist and you want the line, then you collect the line. The customs that that I try to create, in, um, in, and I work with some people that help me along the way with the cards and the, the accessories, there's always something different about the card back so that it's clearly a custom, it is for personal satisfaction, I guess. Um, there's definitely characters that weren't created that I want to see in the line. I'm a huge Super Friends fan. I'm a huge Super Powers fan. So there are characters that weren't created that may have been created had the line continued. So there is still that separation. You know, you have you have the release figures. You have your custom figures. You can integrate them, but you always know. You always know. Yeah, I feel like you have to have that. Like, for your own peace of mind, I think you have to. Yeah. Otherwise, it, it truly would be never-ending. And and I'm at a point now where I have, you know, hundreds of carded superpowers figures original from the line. But then I've got, you know, maybe going on 30 that are custom carded. And together they look great. But I do know which are which, you know. Right. So you said around 2002, you made your mm-hmm. you first started dabbling with this. What was the first custom that you did? 
I believe was a Captain America, I, a wrestling figure. I, I, it was a simple repaint, no sculpting. Uh, I think I just threw a shield on him. It wasn't, it wasn't too extensive. And then I did the Blue Beetle, the rock, which is actually still in the case over there. And I don't push him too hard because I kind of like him you know, to stick around. It's kind of funny because you could see that it's the rock. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see the progression of, of when I started and, and where I'm at now. And there's even, there's even a progression from month to month, you know, sometimes I'll do a custom and I'll go back and I'll completely redo it because I learned a new technique in that month or learned something different I've taken a lot of time in learning how to um, repaint head sculpts, which is, I mean, you've got to get that right. You know, the skin's got to be right. The eyes have to be right. And if it's not, then it's not. And it looks horrible. So, you know, there's, um, I think, trial and error again, experience, learning, watching some of the other people that are out there and, you know, doing your best. Do you have a number of how many customs have never even seen the light of day? Hmm. that you've made or do you end up salvaging them in in some way i do i i i I have some customs that i've even sold some customs that i have in in the display box that have been maybe five or six other figures at one time you know they get they sometimes they get broken down and and built back up or i'll need it could be as simple as me needing one tiny little accessory that's on that custom and that custom's done you know i'll just i'll break him down if he's if he's not on that top tier then then i'll break him down now not to get too technical but would you mind taking me through the various technique techniques that you use because again for me you know i am not an artist in that way at all (laughs) so you know i mean i'm just curious again what are the different things that you do to create these figures well if i get an idea in my head um, the first thing I do is I look for the easiest way to get there. What, what base am I going to use? Um, do I have all the pieces that I need? Do I have to get something? If I have to get something, how hard is it? That's if I'm creating something for myself. If somebody comes in and they commission a piece, then, you know, we have a meeting about it. We'll talk about it. There's, there's no end to what I'll need to get, so I don't worry about what I need to get. And it just becomes on uh, me finding the easiest way to get there. The accessories, the paints, the capes, the, 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 um, the head sculpts, all of these things you want to get as close to... you got to remember, these. if you're doing a, a true custom, chances are it's not been created. So you want to get as close to the finished product that you that you can and a lot of um a lot of other collectors and customizers are casting head sculpts now which makes it a lot easier for me because I used to have to buy the whole figure to get a certain piece they're making that a lot easier I've got to, I've got to paint the heads which is great once I figure out the recipe then I start collecting the items that I need and starting to fit it together and hopefully it all fits together. I mean, I got to tell you the Dremel is a huge tool. Yeah, it, so what is that exactly? It's um it's the uh, handheld grinder, handheld uh drill, sander. Um it really it's funny because I always said, "Oh, I don't need a Dremel. I don't need a Dremel." And once I got one, it's it changes it really does it takes your whole thing you you almost can't you can't get to the next level without it so it um little things like that just learning how to use you know i'm thinking about airbrushing at some point because the the finish that you can get with an airbrush is just the the gradient shades and you can really achieve some some pretty cool stuff the paints you mentioned before so what are the types of paints that you use i use acrylics um depending on what i'm doing um yeah i can add uh additive for for gloss i could spray the product when i'm done to seal it there's just little little techniques that you learn that you want it to go as easy as 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 it can be you want it to i mean i've i've fought before with with customs for hours 
doing the little things that I've now learned how to get myself there in 10 minutes that took me hours at one point. I used to crack a figure and start painting them. And it, you can't do that. You've got to wash them. I mean, just as simple as, as washing him holds the paint so much so much better. I mean, these are just little things. And once you, once you become a customizer, they, you know, it seems so elementary, you know, it's, but it's, it's important. In terms of swapping out parts, mm-hmm. I mean, is it as simple as you, you pop out a head or an arm and then no. you glue? I mean, what, how does that work? Mm-mm. It depends on the figures that you're using. Um, I personally love DC Direct. I, uh, they're heavy. They're they're sturdy. A lot of people like a lot of articulation. DC Direct don't have a ton of articulation, so they, they almost are sturdier. Some of the figures that have too much articulation over time, they get flimsy. Uh, more joints is, a, is, a, is more opportunity to break. So I do like the DC Direct. You don't have to worry too much about the limbs. The limbs you can you could sort of work with the body, the base, and uh, I've gotten into um, swapping out hands and feet and and different body parts when needed. It, it mostly comes down to the head, making the head seamless. And a lot of times they don't just pop on and off. You've got to do some work to make that happen. And if it doesn't look if it doesn't look factory made, then it's not good enough. You mentioned the, um, I guess these these heads now that you can just paint. So are they fully, are they just blank? Yeah. Cut fully customizable. Yeah, they're casted. There's customizers out there, and they're casting. Uh, I don't do it, so I don't know how to do it. I don't know the process of doing it. I know that they're inexpensive. I know that they're. Um, well made and they're they're capturing all the detail in it Um, some are better than others you could pretty much get anyone that you want and you know it uh, doing it that way as opposed to buying a whole figure I mean you could spend 30 bucks to get a figure sometimes just to use his head when you could spend five or six bucks to get just the head now the difference is is that when you get that head you've got to paint it you know, it's not done for you the way it is from the factory. So that's where it becomes important to to um, to hone your skills the best that you can, you know. And sometimes you'll do something and you'll think it'll, it'll look good. And then you'll go online and you'll see somebody else's and, you know, it just doesn't measure up. So you've got to, you've just got to keep, keep doing it, you know, keep at it. You know, so when you were talking about the head, it reminded me of these uh, blank, customizable Funko Pops that are out there. So if there were things like that, you know, regular action figures, kits, things like that, is there any point for you at which there's not enough of a challenge and it would seem maybe like cheating? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny. When you're doing it, it seems like a good idea. It would be really cool if, if something like that existed. But I think... At the end of the day, the reason why I enjoy doing it so much is because I'm doing it. You know, I'm getting into it. I lose myself in it. I don't know if it's just an artist thing. I don't know if it's a passion thing. I don't know really what it what it's called. But when the moment grabs you and you need to create something, it, it you need to do it. You need to do it then. So, I mean, there's times where I'll be hours into a custom and something will strike me and I'll stop and I'll start another one. I've had three customs going at one time because I've got to, you know, uh, I'm inspired. I've got to do it and I'll start doing it and that'll trigger something else. So the process is so much of what this is all about. And I think that you can see that in the finished product most times, um, you can tell when somebody just throws something together or you can tell when somebody's taking their time. And most times when they're taking their time, it's because they've been inspired and something grabs them and they're, you know, they're deep, they're into it. And there's, there's an attachment to it and there's passion for it and there's an emotional investment in it. So I think those things are important. And when you bring them up, they are relevant because that's the process but when 
if you were able to buy something and throw it together and and have a kit, you would lose all of that. And as simple as it sounds, I think that that losing that process is is really why it all happens anyway. You know. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense, and I I can identify with that. And certainly having that fire and needing to do right. something, you know, having that itch that you just gotta yeah, scratch sometimes. Absolutely. As far as the the time aspect of it, I mean, again, I'm sure it varies figure to figure, but roughly, <laughs> you know, for the for the average custom, how many how many hours are we talking? Oh man, um, if you even can quantify, because I think about this sometimes. Like people ask for a documentary, for example, like how long did it take me to edit? I, I, weeks, months. I mean, I you know, <laughs> you know, it's funny. I I I actually I work fast. Um, I actually have to slow myself down sometimes. And what I've dis- what I've started doing is when I'm doing a custom, sometimes you get to different points in the process where you've got to stop. You've got to wait for something to harden. You've got to wait for something to dry. Um, you can't rush it. So what I've started doing because patience is a huge thing when you're doing this and it does take some time. I've started creating another custom while I'm customizing to keep myself from rushing on the custom that I'm working on initially, which I know sounds crazy. You, a, a, a head swap mod on a figure could could be very quick, especially if everything aligns up right. You know, and somebody might want a, just the cape changed and uh, one head from one figure on another head or a Henry Cavill head on a Christopher Reeve body, something simple like that. Or it could be a complete custom that could take weeks sometimes. Dremeling, altering, manipulating, painting, sculpting hair. I mean, it could, it's, it, it, it could be 10 minutes to weeks. Yeah. I have to say, it doesn't sound crazy to me. You're talking to a guy who thought it'd be a good idea to do a second podcast series and alternate weeks, so nah, I'm, I'm there with you. Right. Do you do most of the work here at the store or at home, too? All at the store. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, we're, we're standing at the counter here. Is that mm-hmm. where you do most of yeah. the work? Yep, right here. Do any, like, magnifying lens or anything like that? Or what, do you, what else do you use? Because I see, I mean, there's a, you know, yeah. a block of wood here with some paint, dried mm-hmm. paint splattered on it. Yeah. But what else uh, would be in your workspace? Yeah, it's becoming an issue. The eyes, the eyes are starting to go. And my eyes have always been great. And I, um, I used to work in the printing industry, too. So I used to check a lot of color. I used to check a lot of print. And... Uh, it's um it's straining you know it's definitely straining especially when you're trying to paint an eye on a superpowers figure or on a six inch figure you're you're trying to paint that eyeball and you know there's been times where i missed the mark completely and i never miss the mark so i i have my glasses i have my magnifying glasses i've got my lights you know i've i've definitely um yeah i've got much more than what you're seeing here. There's a bunch of stuff that goes this way. Yeah. What else is part of your process? You listening to music? You need silence? How do you, um, how do you like to work? Uh, I I don't I don't I I once I get started I get started. I usually have some classic um, animated show on the TV. It's good inspiration. Yeah, it is. I've the animated series or some DC animated movie on or something usually going and I work right here and it's um it's kind of fun because a lot of the customers come in, they watch me work, they like to watch me work. It's a it's a good opportunity for them to see the process of some of the figures that they're buying from me you know they want to see sometimes how something was done or they want to see the actual work that went into it um and they can and they do they like to do you like having an audience or no no i don't (laughs) um but i've gotten used to it i um my whole life as uh, even as a kid when when i was in art class there was always people that would um, congregate around me at some point when I was doing something artistic. So I've gotten used to two people looking over my shoulder, but it, uh, 
the questions, you know, it's, it's, it's cool. I'm, I'm used to it now. So it's, it's cool. And the interest is it's conversations are, are, are born from it and it's, it's kind of cool. Yeah. No, I would imagine. I mean, it it must be neat to have people who are that interested in what you're doing that they want to spend their time watching. And, and that's, that's what it is really. I think the ones that are, are interested will stick around. And if they're really interested, they'll ask good questions and it sparks a good conversation. And more times than not, a commission will come out of it. You know, they'll say, oh, I've got a I've got a Batman figure at home and, you know, the cowl on it was never quite right for me. You know, you think I could bring it in. And so a lot of um, a lot of commissions come out of people stepping up to the counter and watching me creating something. I mean, hearing that, it reminds me of a comic book convention in you know, Artist Alley, for example, where you have a comic book artist sitting at a table taking you know, sketch commissions and people, you know, watch the artist draw. And it's it is really cool to see that process. Are there similar toy conventions where things like that happen or I guess maybe sections of comic conventions? Have you encountered that uh, at all? You know, I, I personally have not seen it. And it's funny that you mentioned that because I thought about this recently. A couple times I've thought about how that would be, how that would be received. Would, would people enjoy, you know, if I set up a table at a convention with a bunch of customs and created there, just sat down and started working, you know, that would actually be kind of cool. I think it might be, you know, I mean, I, I have thought about it. I mean, and, and I've got a bunch of other ideas in my head on how to sort of push this industry a little bit, um, push it a little bit further. Maybe put, I, I feel it. I feel it growing. I feel the momentum. I, f- I see the, the talent coming out. I see the pieces that are being created. I don't always contact the people that I follow on Instagram, but I am following and I'm watching. And like I said earlier, there are some people out there that are creating unbelievable pieces. And I would, you know, only hope to be able to create some of the stuff that I am seeing out there. Then on the flip side, you see pieces that are not great, but then again, that's not really what it's about. You know, it's about the artistic process and the the artist that created it feels good about it. So it's kind of hard to grade art. I never, I'm not a big person, um, uh, big believer in grading art. It's more of a passion and inspiration and that's the result of it. So it's just, I, I guess it's uh, what you like and what you don't like, but it, there, it, it's nice to see people doing it. Right. You know? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I mean, as far as an artistic choice that someone makes, I mean, yeah, that is very subjective and what they might like, you might not or vice versa. Mm-hmm. Though I'm sure you, at this point, you've done so many and you've seen so many, you can probably, you know, see the seams, so to speak, when they're there, whether if, again, not so much uh, an aesthetic subjective choice, but more of, you know, maybe a flaw in technique. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, um, there's, there's definitely pieces that I see where the artist is working it out figuring it out or hasn't learned something yet but you know what the same people that i'm saying are so amazing could look at my work and say he did that wrong he did that wrong he hasn't learned how to do that yet yeah i mean you mentioned you know want you know having ideas and wanting the industry to to grow i mean in what direction like what sorts of things are you hoping to see happen well there's a lot of um attention on customs as um as collectors are starting to get involved in them but i i don't know where where it goes from there um you look at toy collectors they send their stuff out to afa you look at comic book collectors they'll send their stuff out to cgc there's no real venue there for for customs so you know and I don't even know how that would really work because, you, again, you, I'm, I'm not a big believer in grading, grading somebody's artistic talent. But there's, um, there is definitely a, a level of, of talent. There's, you know, there's a level of talent that I feel in some way needs to be recognized. So um, maybe uh, exhibits, 
you know, maybe some exhibits would be yeah. would be cool. You know, you get together with some of the other customizers that are out there and say, hey, look, you know, I think it would be cool if we, you know, us five or us ten collectors, you know, rented a space out here for a night and had a, an exhibit. I just, something to celebrate it would be pretty cool because there, like I said, there's some super talented people out there. This is really interesting. I really hadn't considered this before, but I think th these are interesting ideas that you bring up, and it, it would be interesting to see, you know, some of these come to fruition. I mean, as far as some kind of grading body or grading, you know, uh, commission or something like that, it's weird because with a lot of these other things, I mean, you know, they're supposed to all look the same, right? Like, you know, right. but these are, we're dealing with one-of-a-kind right. items. But, again, there are still those standards, especially as far as technique goes, that you would want to see met absolutely and you could you could definitely create a scale a uh, degree of difficulty a um uh creativeness technique i mean there's there's definitely a, a grading system could be created but i do like the idea of celebrating it in some way i like the idea of an exhibit i just think it it would um it would be a way to celebrate some of the work that people are putting a lot of time into and a lot of passion into and and are coming up with some really cool stuff. I mean, I don't mean to, you know, create work for you, but, you know, there are a lot of, again, I've been going to a lot of stores and, you know, stores do like their own, you know, mini Com Comic-Con events. Sure. Maybe, yeah. maybe this could be a venue to host something like that. Absolutely. And uh, Again, I've, I have thought about... A, doing something in in store. I've also thought about reaching out to some of the other customizers that are out there. Well, if there ever is an exhibit either here or elsewhere, I would love to go because I'm yeah. sure, I mean, I love seeing your stuff and it'd be great to, again, get to meet some of the, the other people in this community. Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, it really seems like it, it is a community. I mean, how many people, you know, roughly are you, are you actively following or in touch with? And I'm not in touch with a lot. There are a couple through Instagram that I've gotten friendly with. I'm not usually a big reach out person, but I am quietly following pro I don't know, maybe five or 10 different customizers, but there's many that are out there. But the ones that I am following and watching blow me away. Uh, it would be great to learn more from them. You don't know how somebody feels about teaching. You know, some people might want their their trade secrets, trade to secrets, remain, right? to remain absolutely, and and it might be a little guarded in in that sense. Um, I personally am not like that, so I don't reach out probably as much as I should. I mean, you're the only customizer I've spoken to, so mm -hmm. I don't know if within the community there are others who you know really congregate more or they're in touch more. But I don't know. At least from talking to you, it seems like this is more of a of a solitary pursuit. Uh, it's really funny. It is. It's, um, it, I think it probably speaks to maybe the personality of an artist. I've never been a hugely social person. I've always been able to lose myself in my work and as far back as I can remember. And I mean, kindergarten, first grade, it's something that I was always able to do. It was there for me having that in your in your box of of tricks is is fun because you can always entertain yourself and you can always lose yourself and you don't need to you know be hugely social to do what you do so i don't know maybe a lot of the customizers are similar in that sense and uh you know i don't see i don't see a lot of customizers congregating to uh, have coffee every Saturday Saturday morning, but um, I don't know. Maybe maybe it could happen once in a while, you know. Yeah, that would be cool. Well, it's, I mean, you know, myself, I'm I'm an only child, so growing up, I mean, I always had to occupy myself. I mean, right. obviously, had friends and, and all of that, but you know, I didn't have brothers and sisters, you know, running around playing with. So. But I never consider that a disadvantage. And if anything, you know, I'm proud of the fact that I can occupy myself. Like I've never, I, I certainly enjoy being around other people, mm -hmm. but I've never needed it. Mm -hmm. And so whether it was as a kid, you know, reading comic books or playing with my action figures and making up storylines. And I, that I think very directly led to everything that I'm, I'm doing now between, you know, the podcast and the documentaries. And I don't mind so much spending 
hours, you know, editing a documentary or a podcast episode mm-hmm. because again, I enjoy the process and I'm passionate about it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I grew up with six brothers and sisters, and you know, my wife is an only child, so we we talk a lot about the the different sides of the spectrum on that and how we're both fully capable of occupying ourselves in much different ways. So when you began with these customs, I know originally it was for yourself, and then now, of course, it, it is a part of your business. Where or when did that transition happen? When I opened the shop, I, when I started selling my vintage toys, um, I listed some of my customs, and they sold. I really wasn't sure they were going to. Um, some of them were strange crossovers, which I will do. And I'm, I'll take a turtle and turn him into Green Lantern or something strange, you know, if the mood strikes me at the time. And usually that stuff sells pretty quick for some reason. So I started to post some of my customs. And once they started to sell, I realized that, you know, people are watching and, and they're interested in it. So it's also it was also at the time a good way to, you know, kill a couple hours during the day you start something you're you're being creative you're doing something creative and it's it's um it's like the ball gets rolling you know and so in determining the price point what i mean what are the factors that are going into that definitely the time the time that went into it sometimes you have to look at the the materials that are being used the figures that you're using to create something. Right, like if you have to track down something for a part. Yeah, if you have to track it down. And and, and that's why it. I like to to do commissions with and sit down and talk about it with people, go over the recipe with them. Sometimes people will bring items to me and say, you know, this is what I'm looking for. I have the figures here, uh, which always makes it easier. If I have to go out and find the figures for them, I'll always do my best to find them at the best price possible or loose and as beat up as possible as long as I can restore it. So it, uh, the degree of difficulty, sometimes there's, you know, there's things that leave me scratching my head that I don't, I'm not sure that I can do and I'll do it and it, um, I recreated the cover of, um, of the uh, Captain America punching Hitler out for uh, one customer, and I wasn't sure that I can do it, but we talked about it, and I did it, and um, it came out great. That's it. You know, you, you look at what you're doing and and how hard it's going to be. And I've missed the mark many times. You know, I've I've quoted a price, and it's taken three times the amount of time. It was a lot harder, and you know. You stick to it. And how often do you take commissions? And are there things that you have turned down? Um, yes. And not for any other reason than time. I take a lot of commissions. Yeah, I mean, do you have a waiting list at this point? A little bit. A little bit. It's, it's, um, and that's not so much because, you know, there's a line of people out the door, you know, waiting to to get one of my customs. That's not so much the waiting list. It's the time. It, you know, you get three or four that back up and you've got time that has to go into them. So you don't want to rush it. And then there's the whole, and this is the tricky part, is the the inspiration to create. And when you feel that you're forcing it, or at least I do anyway, when I feel like I'm starting to force it, I stop, you know, and uh, I won't just push through because it's the job, you know, and I, and I, I just, I can't, I'll put it down for a little while and then I'll go back to it. So you've got to, you know, account for life, time. Is there anything you have turned down or would turn down more out of principle, like it wasn't enough of a challenge or they were characters you really had no interest in or something like that? No, I've never turned anything down because it wasn't enough of a challenge. I've never turned anything down uh, principle-wise, but I got to say that I did scratch my head at the Hitler thing, not so much because I didn't want to do it, but there's just the whole stigma that gets you know attached to sure. to Hitler but 
I did speak to the customer, and I, I, I asked him not to display the custom without the cover of the comic book behind it. You know, keep the cover yeah. of the comic book behind it. Even if you do a printout in your display, uh, I, want, I want it to be known why this was created. You That's know. fair, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, he, and he understood. He understood. And he loves it, you know. He shows the pictures all the time, you know, more than I would more than I would like to actually. I did an episode of my comic shop history last season that was that featured uh, collectors of original art and we talked about what happens sometimes when you commission a piece from an artist and what you get back from them isn't either isn't what you discussed or the quality isn't quite what you were expecting. Have you run into that situation I from have. from your perspective where you've done something for someone and they came back and they were like, "Yep, this isn't what I wanted." Yeah. Um it was it wasn't anything major it was um a symbol a chess symbol and they were looking for a specific look to that symbol and i um i think it was a uh difference between a classic symbol and a new 52 type symbol you know there was, was a batman or superman or something yeah. like that <laughs> <laughs> um so it was it was nothing major but it, uh, the person that had commissioned it was also very young, and I'm not sure they even had the life experience at this point to realize that there's a lot that you know you don't you don't commission something and then walk away from it. You know, you you work through. I mean, I've you create something, you fix it, you work through it. So there was it, it got to a point where. You know, I I said if you're not happy with it, then then it's fine. And I I ended up selling it a couple of days later anyway. So you know that actually brings me to my next question because again, as I'm going around for the other show and talking to all of these comic book stores, one thing that keeps coming up is the problem of delinquent customers, mm. specifically in the sense of people who subscribe. They have a pull list, right, and then they don't pick up their books, or you know right. perhaps they order a statue, a yeah. special order item, and then they don't come in and pick it up. I mean, how often do you encounter that here where you commission something? I mean, in that case, that person had a problem, but where people just kind of disappeared. Right. That was, that was definitely a, um, a one-off situation. Um, not many. I, I, actually, not many. I, I can um, honestly say that I don't think, or maybe once when I first opened, there was a, a situation where... Uh, somebody had ordered something, but I think even still they made it back. It was just about four or five months later. So it was kind of like, mm, but they still got back. Um, I think I run into that more online. Most people that I do business with, I develop some sort of a relationship with them before we do any business. And I like to do it that way. Yeah. I know we talked about the factors that go into determining the price, but can you give any kind of ballpark estimates, average prices of what these customs tend to go for? I've sold customs from $35 to $400. You know, it it really comes down to, and usually it's pretty easy to see, you know, if somebody's going to spend $300 on a custom figure, then they're get, they're getting something that a lot of work went into. What are some examples of some of those uh, higher end ones that you've done? The um sorry the Bat Punisher was a cool piece that was a, a a nice crossover piece that a lot of people were were definitely into the Red Hood the Jason Todd uh, Toy Fair exclusive figure was a nice custom the Clark Kent the Smallville is a, is a great mod custom mod the Superpowers figures uh you know that i don't sell my superpowers i know <laughs> anybody that follows me on instagram knows that i don't sell my superpowers um some of those i i do have a buddy who sells very similar ones and he gets 125 dollars for some of the similar customs i do have some customs in the case like bizarro for instance i think i've got him up for 75 something like that which really isn't that bad when i think about the work that went into him 
I want to talk a little bit more about really about some specific figures. So, I mean, just, you know, we're standing in your store. I'm looking. I see, uh, for example, the unmasked Batman figure from Hush. Uh-huh. Uh, and I know you do, I know the unmasking is a bit of a trend, right? Like you've done Unmasked Spider-Man and other, other characters. I love to unmask. Um, yeah, that's just a mod. The DC Direct Secret Files, Bruce Wayne, and it's um, and a simple head swap on the DC Direct Hush figure, which is perfect. I mean, those are the, actually the same, the same molds, the same body types, so they fit perfectly. Okay. Yeah. And then I saw recently a Darwin Cook Captain America. Yeah. So that was one of the DC New Frontier figures that you. What What did you do to that to turn yeah. it into Captain America? Yeah. I'm a big Darwin Cook fan. Um, Likewise. Yeah. He created those characters. Um. Yeah. They're probably my favorite DC Direct figures. I love the design of them, all of them, and I've gotten a good amount of uh, requests on those. So Captain America, there's not a lot of um, Darwin Marvel no. art out there, and I have a um, I have a Spider-Man trade with Tangled Web. That's it. Yep. Tangled yeah, yeah, remember that. Yep. And um, so when I when I pick that up, it you know it sort of made me say, hmm, I wonder. I wonder what other characters are out there that are at least illustrated for me to see Darwin have, has done on Marvel. So I saw that, and the second I saw it, I knew that, that the Flash, you know, it was perfect. You know, Flash needed to be Captain America. Yeah, the little wings on the helm. Yeah, yeah there the, you go. Everything. I mean, it was, it, was really, um, it was really just sitting right there. I mean, I had said for a while that I wanted to do it, I didn't know that it was going to work out as smoothly as it did when I did do it, but it, uh, yeah, it came out great. What are some other highlights that you would want to mention for listeners, favorite pieces of yours that you've done or more challenging pieces that you've done? You know, I have a, um, I have this strange, uh, desire to keep creating Clark Kent and Bruce Wayne figures. It's it's so strange. So anytime I I get the chance to create Clark Kent in any various stage or or Bruce Wayne, it's funny. Whenever I see a um, a base figure in a uh, suit, my brain automatically goes to Clark or Bruce. So and I'm sure that some of the people that follow me on Instagram are like, we've had it. <laughs> like I'll even say this is the last this is the last one I'll post. Um so um I I try to create as many of them as I can. I I just try to keep making some of the the figures that are out there better even if it's just simple repaints, you know. I just I, I'm always trying to make it look the way I think it should look in my head or trying to accommodate people's own visions and the way they think something should look. So that's basically really what I'm doing, and it's as simple as that. You know, your passion for this obviously is is very evident and and comes through in our conversation. I suspect I know the answer to this, but if one of the toy companies saw your work and they were like, hey, you're the guy, we'd love to have you work for us, would that be enticing at all, or or do you prefer to, to do it on your terms the way you have been? Uh... It, it yeah it would sure it would be enticing it would be it would be um it would i i, I want to say that it would be a dream job i don't know if it would be i could be saying something that uh is completely wrong um i think it would be cool to to do that for one of the big toy companies and i think that the the toy companies are leaving a lot on the table i really do because if you look at the the, the customizers and what they're doing and what people are buying, they like it. They like that option. They like displaying their Batman with the Bruce Wayne head on it. And, you know, and, and, and produce more Clark Kent figures. You know, I know that I put a lot up on my Instagram page, but it's because I, I like them. Look at the, the, the Clark Kent figures or the Bruce Wayne figures that have been produced already. They're always the more expensive figures. They're always the harder ones to find, you know. It's an excellent point. I mean, the fact that 
in terms of the requests that you get, I mean, you can kind of take the pulse of, of the audience out there and you see what there is Absolutely. an appetite for. Sure. Um, I realize I didn't ask you, do you have an estimate of how many customs you think you've done over the years? Huh. I mean, we mu- you must be in the hundreds, at, right? Yeah. I mean, at least yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. If I had to guess customs that I would consider completed pieces, including the superpowers customs, God, there's got to be, there's got to be, I'm going to say that there's probably two or three hundred customs that I've done. The ones that people's, people actually see, probably a hundred have been seen or sold. Well, they're beautiful pieces and you know, I wish you lots of luck with, with them as, as you move forward and with new pieces. Any, what else would you like to say that we haven't gotten to? I think uh, I think we've covered it. I just uh, follow me on Instagram. You'll see. You'll see. Um, I put up as as much as I can create. I try to post. Feel free to to contact me on anything that you see. If you have a commission, you can contact me through Instagram, and we could try our best to talk it out through uh, direct message. And uh, even if it's a crazy idea, you know, hit me up. I'll do my best. Fantastic. Well, actually, I want to thank you for two things. One, uh, when I walked in today, you bestowed me with uh, a fantastic custom figure that I'm just blown away by, and I'm so grateful. Would you mind explaining what what it was? Uh, Clark Kent, Batman vs. Superman mystery mini. It was screaming to be painted in the Clark uh, superpowers, Clark Kent colors, so I did that. That's perfect for you, man. Yeah, listen, it combined my love of Funko and superpowers, right, so right. I really th- thank you so much. Absolutely. And then I want to thank you, too, because when I came and I did that Christmas special of my comic shop history with you, at that point, I had somewhat of an idea of what I wanted the next season of the podcast to be, traveling around to other stores, but I wasn't completely settled on it yet. And coming here, coming to a new store that I had never been to before, talking to someone I had never met before, I just had such a positive experience that I thought to myself, this would work. And so far, it's been going really well. So cool. I want to thank you for such a great experience. Honestly, like that really, had it not gone well, right. I might have said this might not be the right way to go. So I really appreciate well, it. Well, I'm glad to hear that. I um, I had a good experience too. So um, I hope that you um, come back and we do it again. And I hope that at least this custom show is, is well received. And um, I look forward to talking again. Well, thank you again for uh, for being part of the show. Thank you. It was fun. Always. Just keep punching.